Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How are you, my friend? Doing well, sir. Doing well. This is uh, exciting times. We're getting uh, closer and closer. We're just about two months out from seeing Beast in Black headline day two of Prog Power USA. And uh, I the only question is which one of us is more excited? <laughs> I, um, having never seen them, might take the prize. And, and this week definitely... Definitely didn't hurt that cause. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I know people are sometimes questioning why we're doing um, career retrospectives on bands that have three albums. But the reality is we have a festival that we're preparing for in, in, in one regard. Number two, I think that in addition to Amy's request from last week, I think this is just a real fitting choice. Plus, we have some, uh, you know, some prog power related stuff coming by way of interview and other things. So I just think it's extremely timely. But we, we will get to Beast in Black in due time. I wanted to first um, take a minute and just thank all the new patrons who signed up. We really appreciate the support. For those of you who are hearing the show for the first time, check the links below. We do have a Patreon where we offer bonus episodes and other content that I think most will enjoy. So consider consider a pledge helping the cause and helping us continue as we roll, as we go ever closer to uh, 200 episodes, which is nuts, but we will hit it in, in very short order, definitely um, within the next few months. So there, there's that. Uh, and, and just um, a number of albums came out this week, some good, some not so good. And I, I just wanted to mention a few of them because I thought it was definitely timely. Um, our friends over at the MSR cast, um, Carrie and Sean mentioned an album, or I should say a song by a band that I had never heard of before. And the band is called Oblivion Protocol. Never heard of these guys, and this is coming from a huge Threshold fan, but it's actually another side project by Richard West, and if you like Threshold, I assure you, you will enjoy Oblivion Protocol. This is like very much in the same vein, almost surprising that they came out with this you know, release or, or you know, single or what have you, um, just because it sounds so much like, you know threshold in many ways but uh really good stuff i look forward to the full release of this album um right now they just have a single for i believe a song called this is not a test and another single for a song called forests in the fallout if you like prog metal check these guys out nice i uh i will do just that Awesome. And then another is staying in, staying in the prog realm, uh, a band that I've just been raving about for some time uh, out of Mexico called Anima Tempo came out with a new album called Chaos Paradox. Um, it, this is a little gentier than I typically like, but this is just so well done and it's so well produced and the songs are quite frankly just so... Um, emotional in many respects that it's just really really catching all the right uh you know hitting the right spots for me uh for those that have never you know heard of the band i'm gonna i'm gonna share some of their music this week on our social media pages definitely definitely worth checking them out as well um just really really solid release um and and i feel like they should be a lot more popular than they are so i just wanted to give them a shout out on this podcast they're from mexico and finally um one of, I, I think it's probably the most ambitious album that I've ever heard in my life. And, and that's not to say that it was very good, but 
one of the most <laughs> ambitious albums I've ever heard. Um, and I had heard of this, and I actually got a message from one of our patrons about this this band called Max Enix. Um, I I don't even know how to describe what this is. I, I I think it's been described as cinematic symphonic metal. That is, I'm not sure that that description even does this justice. The amount of people that are involved in this project, for lack of a better word, is absolutely staggering. It's a double album. It's called Far From Home. I think it clocks in at just under three hours of music. I mean, it is a massive undertaking. And there's not that many songs. There's only like 14 songs, but almost every song is like 10 or 15 minutes. And one of the songs is like 25 minutes. It it was almost a chore to get through this thing. But I almost recommend that people check it out just because it's absolutely insane. Um, And Max Enix not only does part of the vocals, but he does the story and the outline of this thing. And, And there are enough guest vocalists on this album to just completely, um, Overwhelm in many ways. I mean, everybody from Damian Wilson, Lance King, uh, David Reedman, just to name a few. It is, it is something else. Um, I'm tempted to post a song off this, but again, it, for some reason, the sum of the parts was not as good as the, as the whole on this one, and it just never grabbed me. And I, I almost felt like it was a chore listening to this thing, but it was, again, the most ambitious thing I've ever heard. Hey, who doesn't like chores? Yeah, uh, that that's all I got. Uh, anything on your end? Not really. I, I've really been listening to Beast in Black more more than anything else, and uh, I, I did go in and I realized we had been a little bit uh, neglectful of our uh, playlists on Spotify. So I went in and updated all of those. Um, I have thirteen of them for this year so far and you have seven so we have uh i know that your your last three i think were were not uploaded so i took care of that and my last thank you thank you four or five i think i hadn't gotten up including the volume 13 which i just completed recently mostly songs that we've already uh discussed like the the mark hudson solo album and the new amaranth single and uh things of that nature so um I don't really have much to say beyond that, but definitely recommend uh, checking those out. And um, and that, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, this has been a very beastly kind of week for me, and uh, it uh, was very enjoyable, I will say. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And for those that don't know, this band, Beast in Black, 
relatively new band formed in 2015 and is kind of out of the shadows of another band that's not only playing prog power but has beast in their name and that's battle beast and it's really i guess like the brainchild of anton cabinen who founded the band like back in 2015 as i mentioned um so this band has not been around for 10 years and yet I will go so far as to say I think they are going to be huge. They are just kind of scratching the surface of their potential after three albums, not so much in terms of the quality of the music, but just in terms of, I think, their popularity. If they if they hit a home run with their next album, they are going to absolutely explode. They're doing U.S. headlining tours at this point, playing festivals all throughout Europe. Um, the, the best is yet to come, I think, in many ways for this band. Um, and I'll just kind of go through the members before we, you know, kind of get into get into it. Uh, Kasperi Heikinen on rhythm guitar, Matt Molnar on bass. Um, ever since 2018, it's been Ate Palakangas on drums, and the one and only Giannis Papadopoulos on vocals. Um, I, I don't know what hasn't been said about this guy over the last 10 years, but we, we will, we'll get to Giannis in, in a little bit. When did these guys first get on your radar? Because I, I kind of remember when their debut album came out, and I remember picking it up. Did you know about them from the start, or did you know about Battle Beast first? How did this kind of play out for you? I feel like I found out about both bands rather, around the same time, oddly enough. Even though Battle Beast had been around a lot longer, they um, they formed in 2008, um, and Anton was part of the trio that created uh, Battle Beast. And I don't really, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I know the the inner workings of why he left the band that he started to start another band. I can only presume it was due to creative differences, as that usually tends to be the case. Um, Battle Beast is still... Um, is still the same, basically the same lineup, uh, minus, uh, minus Anton, obviously, and also, um, the, their, uh, Nora was not their original vocalist, actually, uh, Nite Valo, um, was their original vocalist. I believe she only sang on their, uh, debut album, Steel, and then the, uh, so, the self-titled album, Battle Beast, that came out in 2013 was when, um, Nora had joined and she's been in the band ever since. So that, that band has remained basically the same. Um, then Battle Beast, you know, gets, uh, or I'm sorry, Beast in Black gets started in 2015. Um, that band has remained basically the same. The only change was there in the drummer. Their old drummer was, uh, Sammy Heinen. Um, I love these Finnish names. They trip me up every time. It's like an um, NHL all-star team. I, for real. Yeah. Where's Timo Solani? Um, <laughs> so I, so I can't remember what was first because for me, Battle Beast was uh bringer of pain was the album that really got me into them. And that came out literally the same year as Beast in Black's debut album, Berserker. I do remember exactly what brought Beast in Black to my attention, and it was the music video to Blind and Frozen. Um, and I don't know if I wasn't watching the video and just listening to it, but I was convinced I was listening to a female vocalist on those um, those verses. And, you know, come to realize that that is just the one and only Giannis, just his range 
is incredible. And, you know, I've mentioned it before, but if you haven't, do yourself a favor and look up his cover of Ghost Love Score by Nightwish. It's pretty amazing hearing a, a male singer sing that song that that well um, and in the same, you know, in the same octave or the same key as Floor and, and Taria before her. But anyway, um, I really liked that song and, and I think that I grabbed the album because of that. And, and I remember liking the album a good bit, but it was the second album that, that really blew me away. And, and to be honest with you, um, I kind of forgot about the first album and now going back and listening to it a few times, I, I think I, it deserved a little bit more love than I gave it initially, but you know, we'll get into that when we get into it. But, um, what was your recollection of uh, getting into the band? I was never as much of a be- a Battle Beast fan as you were or are. And I, I want to start there. So I was not familiar at all with um, Anton's work in that band because I had just never listened to them. And I, I first heard them around the same time as you did in 2015, but I distinctly remember hearing Beast in Black first. So I kind of did this out of order in many respects. Um, When that debut album came out, I remember a lot of people going absolutely bananas for it. And they just were like, you have to hear this band, Beast in Black, you know, Berserker, Berserker, not a John Nord tribute, not a John Nord tribute, but the, but nonetheless, um, this, this, (laughs) you're making me laugh. Um, But nonetheless, like this album was something I had to hear. And I've listened to that album quite a few times over the last eight years. And I had a similar experience to you this week. It's much better than I remembered it. But I have to be honest with you. I never saw what other people saw in that debut. It's good. It has some great songs on it. And then there's a lot of material which just sounds like second-rate power metal to me. So... When their second album was due out, and this would just be a few years later in 2019, I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm going to check it out because I liked enough of the first album that I was curious, but I don't think I was prepared for what that album ultimately was. And and that album, simply put, was was like one of the best albums I had heard in a long, long, long time. And it was my album of the year in 2019, and I was just blown away by kind of the change in style really that they went that they went for on that album and then when they released Dark Connection 2 years after that um it was kind of picking up where they left off and and it was about as admirable a follow up as they could have given how much I liked that second album so that's kind of my history with the band I still struggle with Battle Beast I, I assure you I have seen them live and I will probably stay for their set at Prog Power I, I just don't it just doesn't click for me for some reason but these guys I am so so excited to see and this obviously on the heels of Ad Infinitum which I think will be a fun show but this this is the band I am looking forward to seeing most on a big stage. I, I just think this band oozes potential and I'm curious to see where they go from here. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because to me, like a lot of, I've heard people say that the two bands are very similar and I, I don't hear it. I, I don't either. I, I, 
And and part of the reason for that is because I didn't re- I don't really know the first three Battle Beast albums that Anton was on all that well. I'm very familiar with their last three albums, which he did not really have much to do with. I don't know. He might have, there might have been some lingering songwriting that was on Bringer of Pain. I absolutely loved Bringer of Pain. Um, and I also really loved Circus of Doom. I thought No More Hollywood Endings was a bit of a, um, a drop off um, because I think it got, they, they, they got a little experimental and it didn't always work. I feel like Circus of Doom, they kind of got back on the track. Um, but Bringer of Pain, I, I still think that um, King for a Day is one of the best power metal songs I've heard in the last 10 years. But um, just it's an album I go back to and I, I really enjoy. And the band just kicks so much ass live. Um, so, yeah, we're probably going to talk a little bit about Battle Beast as this episode goes on because they kind of go hand in hand. But I, I don't really find that the bands have a ton in common the vocalists are totally different um you know there's a little bit of that kind of um that really driving synth sound i think definitely shows up on both but uh, i think the songwriting definitely differs um and how that synth sound is used so i'm just glad you, you it's it's interesting because like i've heard people compare the two bands and for you to say you like one and, and don't love the other kind of shows that maybe they're not as uh, similar as, as some people w- would argue. Um, and, and maybe I need to hear the first few Battle Beast albums. I've never heard them, but they don't sound anything like now, in my opinion. If you look at the last three albums, I just don't. I don't hear yeah, it. But I, and and honestly, the three the three the songs I do know from the first three albums don't scream Beast in Black. Like Beast in Black to me is, has more of a modern sound, whereas those first three Battle Beast albums were a little bit more old school traditional metal. Um, but Again, I'm not basing that on a ton of of research and listening, so that's just uh, that's just my thoughts. But um, how about this for for a little bit of uh, uh, trivia? The last four Battle Beast albums were number one in Finland, and the first Beast in Black album was number seven, and the last two Beast in Black albums were also number one in Finland. So. That's They're incredible. a big deal in Finland. Um, and but, but to their credit, have been doing well in the rest of the world as well. I mean, they've been charting in, in many countries, not least of which here in America. I, I think they actually charted with, with um, their last album, which is saying something. And again, I just think they're scratching the surface. They are relentless on the touring circuit. And I think that that is all paying dividends. To say nothing of the fact that the music, by and large, has gone in almost a pop-like direction – Obviously, it's 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 not. It's more of a melodic metal, almost a power metal sound. But I just think it's very, very accessible and something that someone can put on and just listen to without having to, you know, delve deep into their uh, inner consciousness to, to to gravitate towards some of this stuff. But I'll say this: um, a number of these tracks remind me of like. Well, I'll just I'll save it. But the, a number of these tracks remind me of something, and I'll I'll. I'll Kind of just let that marinate for a bit, and and when I say that, I think it's more so on the on the latter two albums. But let, let's get into Berserker. Let's let's talk November third, twenty seventeen. This album comes out. Um, they quote unquote burst onto the scene, and they <laughs> waste no time, I guess, by starting with their namesake, the Beast in Black, is the first song that you hear from these guys. 
Um, what immediately struck out as I went back to listen to this is that in-your-face production, production um, where the keys are just so noticeable and really just are kind of the driving force behind not only this song but many songs. Um, and the drums are almost like secondary in terms of driving the beat on a lot of this stuff. I think the keyboards really do um, a, a fantastic job. And this, but but this song that they start out with kind of average um not my favorite song and it's like you i know that the songwriting gets better but to me this is more of like a straight up power metal tune in, in many ways and while it's good it's not mind-blowing i think it's one of the better songs on the album personally um okay i think it, it just kicks things off with a lot of high energy you're getting the a taste of what Giannis's vocals have to offer um he he does like he can do like this unbelievably high clean vocal and then also like of kind of a a very powerful almost raspy kind of vocal as well just a very all-around talented guy but this has everything like has the the just the pounding double bass drums the fast guitars the um the the sweeping keyboard um orchestrations uh, i think this is a real a beast no pun intended it's just a great song to kind of kick things off and um i find that some of the, the songs on this album that i really gravitate towards are kind of in this sort of style where it's just um all balls to the wall pretty much from the get-go i can appreciate that i do think the guitar work on this opening track is amongst their best some of their best guitar work on any of their songs that being said i am partial to the second track blind and frozen this song to me is kind of what the band would ultimately become in many ways um, with their second album, From Hell With Love. And I think that's part of the reason I love this track as much as I do. The verses in many ways are almost like a vocal solo, just kind of showing off Giannis's vocal range. And then all of a sudden, it's just kind of over the drums and the keyboard and then the chorus. God, it's such a catchy chorus that I just hope they play the song live because I want to sing along to that chorus and then all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, there's this like very regal-sounding keyboard solo. But there's something so accessible about this song. I, to me, it's one of, if not the best song on the album. Yeah, this was the their very first uh, single. And um, I think it was a good choice. I think it really got a lot of people's attention uh, right off the bat. And, and you know, here's another uh, really interesting fact. And I'm going to pull it up so I make sure I have my numbers correctly but this music video has 41 million views oh on my god on youtube um, that's a lot that's that's incredible yep and uh and you know we've talked about um the charismatic voice um elizabeth jaroff um she c covered this song um and I'm trying to remember if I watched her review of it. I, I can imagine she was probably pretty floored by um, Giannis's vocals. Um, but um, yeah, this this was a big hit. Like you know, for right off the bat, um, forty-one million views. That's pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. So almost um, as much as our last episode, but you know, a little bit more work from these guys, and I think they could go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think the Berserkers got a real future in the business, but. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's it's impressive and yeah i i agree with everything you had to say about it i think when i first heard the song i i almost thought it was a little gimmicky that he was um 
singing like that. And then I, you know, over the years I've learned to realize it's, it's, it's just, he does it because he can. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I agree that there's, um, definitely carry over onto the second album. And this is kind of that, um, more of a, it's still a pretty fast song. It's, I, it's mid tempo compared to the previous song, but it kind of has more of a, of a, a marching beat to it. But, um, yeah, great song. And, and, um, every time I check YouTube to see how many views it has, I'm blown away how the number just keeps growing. It's a lot like our, uh, fighting the world Manowar episode on YouTube. <laughs> can't believe, uh, that many people actually, uh, listen to it. So, um, yeah, that, it still blows my mind. Um, 41 million. <laughs> That's, That's incredible. outstanding. What do you think of blood of a lion? I, I think it's a hard, I think it's always hard to, um, find yourself coming after a, a track like um, blind and frozen. But what do you think of blood of a lion? The third track? Uh, I really like this song too. Um, I think it's kind of uh, similar in tempo to the previous song. Maybe not as, uh, not as like uh, radio friendly is probably the wrong term, but more just accessible, I guess, or just a way to like, I, I think, uh, Blind and, and Frozen was the perfect song to just suck in brand new fans with. Um, this is more, I think, of a kind of just traditional mid-tempo rocking power metal song. I really like it. I think the chorus is really catchy. Um, Giannis does some really high vocals here, which I guess shouldn't be all that surprising <laughs> at this point, but uh, I, I think it's another really solid tune. I, I think they're easily have gone three for three on these first three tracks. I don't like it as much as the first two. And since I didn't love the opening track, I guess I don't like this track as much either. I think it has this like March light quality to it, but, but then almost the verses sound like a ballad in many ways there. It's kind of soft and unopposing, very unassuming. And, and it leads to what's otherwise, I guess, of kind of a big chorus, if you will, I just felt it was somewhat uninspired and I think it would be better served towards the end of the disc. I don't know. Like again, I would say it's a victim of the albums that came ahead of it. But at the same time, I had these same thoughts when I first heard the album in the first place. So I guess I'm consistent if nothing else. And I I do think that overall this album is better than I remembered it, but it's not, um, it's not, and apparently will never be an album that just blows me away. And, and but we'll talk about Born Again, which is the fourth track. I think this is better. And if you like keyboards, this is certainly your jam. It's a lot of pianos and keyboards. And again, a very powerful chorus building on, on what's otherwise kind of slower and unassuming verses. What I like is that there's like these random key changes throughout the song and these drum, the drum beat, which kind of just keeps it in check and keeps the whole thing on track. Um, but in many ways, this song benefits from what I call the Daniel Hyman effect, which is taking a decent song and putting amazing vocals on the top. And all of a sudden you have magic, right? Like that's the new, uh, that's the formula. Get Daniel Hyman, write mediocre music and you have a good album. See Sacred Outcry. And I'll footnote that. Um, that that's what Born Again is to me. Is uh, the vocals are so good here that I, I like the song better. Well, we had a song about John Nord, and now we have one about Matt Bourne. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing Too good. Yeah, um, 
Zod the Immortal Hulk Hogan uh, coming up next, <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I like the I like this song a lot too. Um, it I think it's again it's another one of the more mid tempo type songs. It's a little it feels a little bit more emotional than I think the previous songs, but um, I think it's another really solid uh, tune. Like you know, I don't think that um, like these songs to me like are just most of them don't have the consistency that the songs on the next album do, but they're still very good. It's almost just a shade, uh, a shade below uh, what they would do on the next album. It it is kind of hard to remember in a vacuum, how I felt about this album without having that feeling of, of so much love for the, the second album. But um, I I, I think the song is good too. This was another uh, single as well that um also has 15 million views on wow. youtube and also was reviewed by the charismatic voice so uh, clearly she's a fan um and uh and the the um the the song beast in black uh not to be not to be outdone uh well it's outdone a little bit but you know it, <laughs> it has 7 million hits on on youtube so all these big singles um really got a lot of uh a lot of play on, on, on YouTube, which is, is, is nice to see because like, I don't know. I don't know that I would have guessed that beast in black had that much reach, um, being so early in their tenure, but, um, sure enough, they, they do. Um, your thoughts on, uh, general Zod, the immortal <laughs> straight up power metal very much reminds me of like painkiller by Judas priest. This is something primal fear could have written. Um, the verses are a bit goofy, but at the same time, I kind of like the song. It's it's endearing. Um, I, I, I think it's actually one of the better tracks on the album. I would put it in the top half of songs on the album, but there's a song coming up that I love a lot more, but it's, it's, it's good. And if you, if you like that classic Judas Priest sound, I think you're going to love this song. Well said. Um, I remember not thinking much about this song. This was one of the ones that really grew on me in the last week of going back and listening to it. It's just, it's just really crunchy. And like you said, just kind of has that Judas priest primal fear, like just that kind of that, that really just deliberate power metal vibe. It's uh, a really solid tune. I like it a lot. It was also a single, uh, only 2.4 million views on YouTube, however. So uh, yeah, Zod's bringing up the rear on this one. We 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 get to um, a track called "The Fifth Angel," and it's kind of like the end of side A of the album. They employ like a spoken word intro, which is something we haven't really heard from them before. Obviously, very prominent keys. To me, this is not a very memorable song, and I, I just think that is a testament to the songwriting, which would improve as as time would go on. The vocals, top notch fantastic but the song itself kind of forgettable not not really my favorite and i can see why it's kind of buried in the middle of this thing yeah i have to agree with you um well don't sound so upset about it i mean (laughs) i hate when i have to agree with you um yeah there's i think that there's a little bit of a of a, a lull in the in the middle of this album here there's also kind of a weird thing where like two of the tracks are are considered bonus tracks that are within the 12 tracks. Um, and I think it's only because there's like vinyl versions of the album that are missing those tracks. But like, I think 
almost all of the digital or CD versions have those tracks. So I, I don't know. I was having a hard time trying to come up with a rating. Like, do I want to take those songs into consideration or not? Um, this isn't one of them, though. This just happens to be one of the, I think, weaker of the, you know, if we're if not in the non-B-sides. But um, it, it's probably towards the bottom of my favorite songs on the album. It's not a bad song, but it's just kind of... Uh, Kind of average, I guess. So I, I totally hear what you're saying, and I kind of included those two bonus tracks, if you will, as part of the review of this album. But before we get to some of those tracks, talk to me about Crazy Mad Insane, because this song has a different feel than the rest of the songs that we've discussed. So do you feel like this song is kind of a little bit of a preview to the third album? Because the third album has a bit more of this kind of techno kind of vibe to it electro vibe and this seems like it's almost like a little bit of a preview of that absolutely it it absolutely has that kind of a vibe it almost sounds like the drums are electronic in certain ways um that being said at the time right for this album i i have in my notes like original this is this track is different but really really good um the chorus is super catchy the sound samples in the instrumental section sound great you can't not like this. And I'll tell you who comes to mind when I hear songs like this, Voyager. This to me is what Voyager sounds like, albeit less proggy when, when Beast in Black does it. I love this song. It's probably one of my top two songs on the entire album. And again, I guess the songs that I seem to have chosen from this album are the ones that were a precursor to the second and third album. So you can kind of see where my head's at. But I, I love this song. Yeah, yeah, agreed 100%. It's this perfect marriage of uh, power metal and and dance music, really. Um, great stuff. And uh, yeah, it's they, they really te- go more into this kind of vibe on the third album, and we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, like you said, like there's these little hints of what's to come on the, the next couple of albums here. Uh, but uh, yeah, really, really good tune. Super catchy. It's... it's definitely has that uh earworm quality and i definitely appreciate the the voyager uh connection there and i I, on the heels of that again very difficult to follow it up and they don't even really try they put a bonus track after that and they put a song called hell for all eternity this one's a little spooky sounding and almost ominous at, at the beginning and then all of a sudden, Giannis starts, or Giannis starts screaming, and that's the end of that. Everything kind of kicks in after he, he, he lets out a primal scream. It's a simple, catchy riff. I, I, I don't think the verses are particularly enjoyable, but the chorus, um, definitely catchier. And the, even the orchestration on this one is, is something that stands out to me. I, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I would say this is probably in the top third of songs for me on the album. I, maybe third or fourth favorite on the album. But I think in comparison to the material that would come out later, it's still weaker by comparison. Good song, maybe very good, but not great. Right. It's. I never really felt like these any of these songs felt like B-sides or, or bonus tracks or whatever. Whereas, I didn't know that until you mentioned it, to be honest with you. I thought it was just part of the album proper. Yeah, well, I mean, I always did too until I looked, until I looked it up and it was like, you know, cert, I guess just certain editions particularly the vinyl editions don't have hell for all eternity and go to hell. So anything with hell involved, which is ironic because the next album would have hell in, in its title. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think it's a really 
pretty solid tune and and i to me like the 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 bonus tracks on the 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 next two albums are all there's four bonus tracks they're all covers so they in and of themselves feel like outliers whereas these two whether they're bonus tracks or not these two tracks don't really feel like outliers they feel like they belong on the album the fact that they weren't just slapped onto the end i think says something i, I don't know that they're true bonus tracks but um I guess that they're considered extra songs depending on which medium you have this, this album on. But um, I consider all 12 tracks to be part of the berserker experience. Um, either that or being thrown out of over the top rope and getting <laughs> counted out as, as a finishing move. <laughs> that, that made me pop um, as, as we go to eternal fire and this, this song the metal exchange gallop is in full force with this one. It's it's to, um, to me. I hear early freedom call on this. That just happy, sappy flower power metal, and and it's good if you are looking for that. And when I listen to freedom call, that's what I want to hear. But when I listen to Beast in Black, not as much. And like it's good, but it's just not what I'm looking for from the band. And it's almost like. Very simple songwriting, almost like naive in a way. Like they hadn't really figured out what this band was going to be because the album is all over the place. Um, it's also slightly repetitive, but it's short. So for that reason, it doesn't really um, feel, I guess, in many ways like it's overdone. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is my favorite song on the album. Really? I, okay. Yeah, I, I just think it's – I think that this is definitely – a. a a window into album number two. Um, just like, like you said, fast galloping, he like heavy keyboards, um, high, high vocals. Like it says everything that, um, beast in black does so well. I really, really like this song a lot. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's very good. All right. I mean, you know, I, I don't hear it on this one, but I, I respect your opinion, but I'm and still this is in the back of my head. And I guess now is as good a time as any to mention it, but, um, I'm wondering if the fact that they do not have a live keyboard player, if that's going to make the experience any any less any lesser. I mean, I think of um, Sabaton as a as a comparison point because I, I've seen them with a keyboard player and without. And to be honest with you, I kind of preferred them with. But at the same time, it made uh, all the difference at Emperor. I'm just saying, like, there's something yeah. about those live keyboards. Yeah, I just wonder. Um, if it's going to matter, if the band's just going to bring so much energy that like, you cause there have been bands where like the, the backing keyboard recordings really didn't matter that much, but the keyboards are such an important part of most of this band's library, if not all of it. So I just hope that that doesn't take anything away. Um, because it is just thinking of a song like this, where there's just these really sweeping big, uh, keyboard orchestrations that um, I don't know. Uh, just a little. I just always prefer, you know, a live keyboard player. See, see, Power Quest and and all those bands that I'm always been a a big fan of. Um, it does make a huge difference, especially when there's the band has such a keyboard driven sound. Um, yeah. So, just thought this would be a, a pretty uh, opportune time to mention that. I wonder the same. I, I know that that often takes away something for me, but uh, you know, I, I still have very high expectations. 
Um, so I guess we will certainly see soon enough. And, and with that, I'm going to tell you to go to hell and tell me what your thoughts are about this song. Not a, not a Megadeth cover as it turns <laughs> out. Um, uh, you know, it's okay. It's probably toward again, towards the bottom of my favorite songs on this album. Um, I don't, I don't know that I would give any song on this album less than like maybe like a 6.5. And this is might be, <laughs> this might be hovering right around that area it's kind of a simplistic chorus but um it's a solid tune like just not not my favorite it's uh but as you mentioned of the last song it's it's short it's the shortest song on the album at three minutes and one second so even if you don't like it it'll be over before you know it i love it i think it's a great song i think it's probably my third favorite song on the album i i kind of outline my four favorites this would be in the top third for sure I also hear electronic elements on this, so I can. It's kind of a precursor of what's to come. It's a touch faster, but it's really, really melodic. Some cool bass lines, which is not something we've talked about um, as much, uh, you know, regarding this band. But there's some cool bass lines on this, and when you add those soaring vocals over the top, I think it makes for a really cool song. Um, and I like the way it goes out too. So it's it's short, you're sweet, you're in, you're out, but it hits it hits all the buttons for me, and. Then it leads into, uh, and by the way, I should mention, this is the second of the bonus tracks, right? So like, you know, kind of just sandwiched in there. And then we get towards the back end of the album with the last two tracks, the first being End of the World. And this one is nothing but an epic in the sense that it comes in at over five minutes, which for them is, you know, <laughs> a long song, uh, a change of seasons. This this is not, but there's this great extended keyboard solo that kind of kicks things off has a very futuristic sound to it and it continues throughout the song in various spots. Uh, very well placed in my opinion. It belongs on right by the back end of this album. Um, but, but I think it's just a mid paced rocker with, with some cool vocals on the top. I think the drum fills are great too. There's a lot to kind of chew on on this one. Yeah. I like this song quite a bit. It's probably, it might even be tied, uh, with um eternal fire uh, as my favorite song on this album it just it just is so epic the those those like those keyboards really remind me of like that early sabaton kind of sound where the keys were a little bit more uh prominent but um just great vocals great everything this is just an unbelievable song um i'm a big fan i argue it probably should have been the last song on the album um they went with more of a a, a a power ballad to end things which um they uh did not do uh again on the next uh, on the next album where the 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 power ballads kind of in the middle um but um uh, i think this is a great song just um very powerful and uh super catchy you know tap your tap your foot and it's and it, it even being the the uh the, the the epically long five plus minutes that it is it never it never gets boring for me so. and I think you can say the same thing about Ghost in the Rain which ends it right because again very different sound than than anything else that comes before it but at the same time um, as much as I enjoyed this song and I, I think it is a kind of an interesting way to end the album. I completely forgot about this song. It was like listening to it for the first time and maybe that's because it was at the end of the album or or what have you but. Uh, Boy, does Giannis show his range on this one. And and every time I heard it, I kept thinking the same thing. It reminds me of Serenity, something a ballad that Serenity would have done. So I I, I I thought it was well done. I think it's a I think it's a good way to end the album. 
I'm, I'm wondering if you share those same thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have gone with the the end of the world as the last song, and maybe put this somewhere more in the middle. But it's a solid power ballad, and um, it just is. And as is a lot of things with this band, but this song in particular just really gives a, a, a very '80s vibe to me. Like I, I just feels like a very '80s radio friendly, you know, power ballad, and and uh, and trust me when I say that is not a knock at all. Um, for I love those types of songs, but uh, and I think you're going to hear a lot more of those coming up. I I, I think that uh, they do it well to say the least, and we'll we'll certainly get there. But but taking a look back, I guess at, at, in terms of a score from one to ten, what what would you rate this debut album? Because again, it was better than I remembered it, but I I, I just don't think it's nearly as good as the other two. I have it. It's going to be my lowest of the three, I think. Yeah, it will be. Um, I, I kind of was struggling between giving it an 8.25 and an 8.5, so I gave it an 8.375. It's a very good album, but um, it has a couple of um, weaker songs that I think the second and third albums don't. Um so, yeah, that's where I'm at with this one. I'm at a 7.25. I think it's a good album. I Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's as good as, as the material that would follow. But like I said, it was good enough even years ago to keep me um, intrigued enough that I wanted to hear more. And in 2019, we definitely, definitely heard more from this band. Um, I, I This is an album that even if we hadn't picked it for part of the disc, the uh, retrospective on, on Beast in Black, I think I would have chose this album at some point in the not-so-distant future just because this is such an interesting album in so many ways. Um, I'll be honest, not as good as I remembered it. I had this album like... Going into the week, I'm like, this is a 9.5. It's an all-time great. It's it's not quite that good, but it's not far off. And it kind of reminds me of um, that Dynasty album, Renatus or Renatus or however you want to say it, just in terms of an album that when I first heard it, I was completely blown away. And I just kept playing it all year, over and over again. This I had a very similar feeling with. And I was curious if it was going to have the staying power that it did even four years ago. And I got to be honest, it did. And part of the reason is because these songs are so short. You're in, you're out, and you're on to the next catchy tune. Lots of stuff to, to sink your teeth into here. And I am a huge fan of this album. Spoiler. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. should have yeah, led, really, led with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, it, I was, it was a, a real just mind blower. This was the... Um, this was the the last year that I was not ranking albums like at least twenty five of them. I just remember that year I ranked five albums at the end of the year. We hadn't started the podcast yet, um, and this was I struggled between this and um, Glory Hammer's album that had come out that year, which absolutely blew me away. I love that album so much. Um, I think I ended up giving Glory Hammer the number one spot, Beast in Black number two. I believe Majestica's debut album was number three. Ancient Bard's album from that year was number four. And Voyager's album from that year was number five. And I just remember thinking, like, Jesus, these are five really fantastic albums. Uh, I had such an easy time picking a top five, and then the rest of it, I think I had, like, a 
number six through 25 in no particular order honorable mention sort of deal. But um, this was definitely, if it wasn't for that glory hammer album that I think was just their, their finest work and just blew me away at the time. Um, I could not stop listening to honestly any of these albums. I went back and listened to them repeatedly. Uh, I thought it was ancient bards, best album. I thought it was Majestica's best album being that it was their debut. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess maybe not, I guess if we're going to talk about the rain seed albums that preceded them, different conversation, I guess. But, uh, and this was just another one that just kind of was incredible. And, um, I, it, it holds up in, in every, in every sense. I, every time I go back and listen to it, I never get tired of it. It never gets like any worse. It, it, I never feel like I overrated it at any point. Like it just was, uh, it's always, I think it's always just going to be one of those great albums. Well, very well said. Let's let's jump into it. Do you think we hyped it up enough? Or <laughs> now, whenever I say a song is mediocre, people are going to be like, "Then why the hell did you go on it for ten minutes about how awesome it was?" But kidding aside, um, not many good songs on this album. I think most songs, many of them, are are, are great. Um, and it starts off with one of them, "Cry Out for a Hero." Immediately, I like this song better than anything on the last album. I mean, like that's how much I I, I think this song is is a perfect way to start the album. The opening riff with the keyboards behind it, it's just absolutely incredible. It's heavy, it's melodic, it's crunchy. Everything about this song is great. And and I got to be honest with you, there, there's even great guitar solos in this. And there's there's a few smattered on that first album, but it's like everything came together on on tracks like this. And I just find it to be such an easy, enjoyable listen that I, I it just gives me great pleasure. Well said. Uh, I, Giannis's vocals, uh, he's already cranking out the high notes on the very first track uh this is uh so catchy and just those uh, those like pounding keyboards that are that are part of it it's just that that beautiful package and and and, you know like you said the first album was a little bit more scattered i feel like this album seems to have more of a, a a direct vision or a purpose um and it's just a lot more cohesive i think would probably be the the way to put it, which I think the third album is less cohesive, actually. It's more I agree. experimental, and they f- I feel like they're doing which is, I don't think, a bad thing. It's just different. Um, yes, yeah, they didn't need most- to make this album a second time. They did it. It was, it's, it's among the best, and then, you know, I, retain that sound, but go somewhere else with it. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think that the, that the, they made the right call. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it almost, it's like going back to our discussion about Pink Bubbles Go Ape. Like, did we need a, a Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 3? Or, you know, did we need, or did we need Pink Bubbles Go Ape to be as disappointing as a lot of people <laughs> thought it was? Um, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, um, this is really just the perfect song to kind of kick things off. It just fast-paced, kicks your ass, and um, and then it just drops you off at, at track two where I just hear um, like the, the intro to like a eighties arcade game, like right before you start to play it, like right before you're like, you know, like player one, go double dragon contra, whatever so you want to say. Could not agree more to me. This is like the streets of rage soundtrack for anyone who <laughs> enjoyed those Sega, you know, those Sega games that were kind of like final fight esque. This is, reminds me of streets of rage and it's got a little bit of a techno quality to it itself but then once the verses kick in 
it just screams like 80s movie. Like this could have been on the Goonies soundtrack and I think it would have fit in perfectly. Give me more of this eight days a week and I love it. I think the chorus is about as catchy as it gets, even even though it's so simple. And I just hope they play it live because, again, I want to sing along to this one as well. Easily, easily could be a song of the week. It's not. It easily could be. But I like how the keyboards give this like ambient vibe to it. And even the instrumental section is kind of cool. But uh, this chorus, man, it, this is as good as it gets. Unbelievable song. Uh, just I don't even think we mentioned the title of it. It's the, it's the title <laughs> track right. from Hell With Love. Uh, just a, a catchy-ass song. 7.8 million views on YouTube. Can't be wrong. Uh, and the third single off the album, and, and with good reason. Yeah, just a really uh, another little less speedy than the first track but um just as powerful and 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 catchy and and just uh another real just banger of a tune um the it's i just i just love this album it's so good well let's let's talk about sweet true lies this is the first single from the album and it actually came out in 2018 so it was I don't know, I guess a few months prior to the actual album coming out, which was February 8th of 2019. What are your thoughts on Sweet True Lies? Oh my God, I, I thought it was, I was like, when this came out before the album and I heard it, I was like, oh God, what happened to Beast in Black there? They went they went Backstreet Boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in all honesty, it's really just that, um, it's really just that, uh, that chorus is so late 90s Backstreet Boys in sync but I mean the rest of the song is is your run of the mill Beast in Black song I I think this is another really great song um I thought it was a really smart choice actually as their uh their opening single because I think that it has kind of a universal appeal that maybe somebody who doesn't typically listen to metal might listen to and be like oh wow this is um this is pretty cool um so yeah, it's a little bit that part of it. I think it gives it a little bit of a cheese factor, but um, I don't know. I, my girlfriend actually walked in and asked me if I was listening to heavy metal Backstreet Boys when I was listening to the song. So uh, I I don't care what anyone thinks. This song is absolutely fantastic. There, have you ever heard of the band Love Might Kill? Yeah, absolutely. So this reminds me of like a poppier version of something they might have released. That riff makes you just want to bang your head and maybe you want to bang your head to the Backstreet Boys. I don't know. But this is so catchy and the riff is so um, in your face. It's almost like a modern day Manowar type of thing, but gone pop. It's it's not really traditional power metal, but I think that there are just touches of it on, on this. And then, you know, as if it couldn't get any cheesier, the last chorus goes up an octave, which is kind of that gimmick we talked about last week. I don't care. It is cheesy as all hell. Sign me up. I'll make it my song of the week because I want to listen to it again. Nice. Uh, and and I guess that means that you can post the music video for it uh, as there's a full, uh, full music uh, video clip for it. As long as we're naming numbers, this one has 9.1 million views on YouTube. So uh, here it is. Justin's Song of the Week, Sweet True Lies. Heart and pain, still not enough to let go. Have you found this way? Is there a cure to it? 
so we get to the next track, which is um, a little bit different, Repentless, um, in many ways. It has a bit of a different feel, at least to me. Keyboard heavy, for sure. It, it drives the song like many of these songs are. But in in many ways, it almost sounds like there are trumpets or electronic trumpets that are piped in. It's heavier, but it's still certainly melodic. And it's kind of, again, one of those songs that you can listen to without concentrating. But at the same time, it just feels a little different than the prior song. I, I can't, the prior songs that came before, I have a hard time describing why. Um, do you think I'm crazy or is this more of the same? No, I think you're right. I, I think it's, it definitely has kind of like that, that um, almost royal kingly kind of trumpet. It's obviously, you know, synthesized with this trumpet esque sound at the beginning, like, you know, um, like, you know, a hear ye, hear ye kind of intro. Um, but just a, another really just um, great song. I think it's probably the the slowest of the first four tracks we've heard so far. Um, but again, it's still, it really rings the power. It's like you said, super keyboard driven. Um, I love the... Uh, the the guitar solos with the O's, I, I might be a might be a good uh, live song to play, get the crowd involved, you know, classic power metal style. But uh, just another really good song. Like it's, I, I, I've yet to hear a, a not great song on this album at this point. The oh, it's funny you say that. The first song that I really didn't adore, the you know, a few years ago was actually the next song, which happened to be if I'm not mistaken, the second single on the album called Die by the Blade. For some reason, this song never clicked for me until this week. So while the album is a touch below what I think I had it at maybe four years ago, this song I think got better over time. And it reminds me of something that could have been on the Top Gun soundtrack. It is this lush, melodic power metal song where Giannis just shows off his vocal range. The verses are okay, but the chorus just picks up here. And and I think that this is a staple in their live sets. I look forward to hearing it live. It's a little repetitive, and for a song that's 3 minutes and 15 seconds, that's saying something, but it's definitely better than I remember it. I always really liked this song. I remember... It came, when it came out as a single, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just check because I want to say that it came out. Yes, it came out before the rest of the album. Um, not by much. It came out a couple of weeks earlier. Um, so they released um, two the, the, two songs before the album proper came out. You know, "Sweet True Lies" being the first. This one reminds me of. Um, I don't know what it reminds me of, but it, it he kind of does like this quiet high-pitched whisper vocal to kind of kick things off but then like you said the chorus is just so catchy it just just sucks you right in um i really like this song i remember putting it on a playlist uh while i was still anticipating the entire album to be released so this one really um really just i have good memories of this one And, and i also feel like it it felt more like the beast in black that i was hoping for that um sweet true lies upon the first couple listens didn't quite uh um evoke for me (laughs) but uh this was like you know this the 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 real kick-ass kind of tune i was hoping for um so 
yeah, I guess it's kind of we were kind of the opposites with those two songs where they were uh, late bloomers for respectively. Well, well said, well said. Um, we get to Ocean Deep, which is a real outlier on this thing. Does does this song remind you of anything? Yeah, it reminds me of like an old Nightwish ballad with like the, the Oceanborn, something from Oceanborn. Hundred like, percent, yeah. and I think that it had to be on purpose, right? Because I hear the same exact thing. The song is called Ocean Deep. This thing could have been on Oceanborn for sure. It's a it's a true ballad, a nice change of pace. Uh, not their best song by any means, but at the same time, it's like a good rest hold. This is like the perfect arm bar or like an abdominal stretch, in my opinion. Like <laughs> it, it serves its purpose. Uh, it gives everyone a chance to kind of catch their breath. Um, and, and then it ends like a true power ballad in many ways with a great guitar solo before this really quiet outro. Uh, a cool, a good song. Uh, not their best, but certainly enjoyable enough and, and something different for them. You know, it's, it's interesting because, like I had mentioned with the the first album, that um, you know the last song uh, being like the, the the ballad of the album um, might have been better served in, in the middle. And if you don't ca- count the two cover bonus tracks, this literally is dead center on this album. It separates uh, the first five tracks which are all bangers and the last five tracks which are all bangers and um yeah this one does it feels like it's a tribute to old nightwish while at the same time uh giving uh Giannis kind of a platform to really show how how his how high he could sing and and how effortless he he makes it sound but uh, it's, a it's a solid it's a solid power ballad. It, it's, but I would say it might actually be my least favorite song on the album, just because every other song just brings so much energy and is so damn catchy that, like this, almost while it, I think it's necessary that the song is here. I just don't like it as much as everything else, particularly the next two songs. Well, let's let's get into those next two songs. The first of which is "Unlimited Sun," and and for those that haven't heard the yeah. album. Come again? Unlimited sin. That's what I said. No, I, said unlimited sin. sin. I, <laughs> yes. Well, it's, the the ocean is deep, and and the the unlimited sin. The, this to me is right in line with what they had been doing up until up until um, Ocean Deep. It is essentially catchy as all hell, melodic power metal, and and you you just know that these powerful verses are going to give way to a monster chorus, and and I think that that's what this does. Um, I, to be fair, though. I think that this follow the song after this is 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 even better, and I think that Unlimited Sin is almost a, a precursor or a setup to True Believer. But I'll, I'll I'll let you have the floor and say your piece. Uh, yeah, I just I think this is um super super catchy. I think the um that kind of like robotic voice uh, that is almost like a um a little preview of the next album where you're going to get a little bit more again of that kind of weird experimental electronic roboticness. Um, but this is such, this is such a, a banger song. The, the, the keyboard, um, whatever you want to call it, that, that kind of leads the way is such a catchy riff. Um, and this band is just like this to me, this song just kind of is a perfect opportunity to kind of just, say what this band means to me it feels like a modern power metal band 
it brings power metal into the modern age, with, but while using these like the, these like thematic '80s thematic kind of vibe, like that that those kind of like sweeping keyboard riffs and stuff, like has a very '80s vibe, but yet the it sounds modern. It's a and, and the fact that I really love '80s music and I love keyboard driven music, it just is the perfect marriage for me. And this song is a great example of that. And, and it's only, it's only knock is that it's shadowed by, in my opinion, the best beast in black song of all time. My favorite song on this album, my favorite song they've ever done. Um, and obviously based on that, it's my song of the week, but a uh, true believer, which I have to believe was uh, a tribute to, to Stan Lee, uh, just based on some of the, the lyrical content. Um, Oh my God, this song is so freaking good. Um, if I, if there was one song I wanted to hear, want to hear them play live, this is it. I, I don't, I'm not going to be heartbroken if they don't, because like, this is just one of those bands where they can't go wrong. You know, we talked about that, our sabotage dream set list on our bonus episode. And we've talked about, you know, Halloween set lists and stuff. And this is just one of those things where it's like, I could make, my you know ideal set list for this band and they could play the complete opposite and i would be absolutely thrilled to hear it so like uh but yeah this is my favorite song um let's listen to it and uh and i'll be uh excited to hear what you have to say about it but uh oh god i love this song I think the reason you enjoy this track as much as you do is because the beginning actually sounds like a Nintendo game, like straight out of the 8-bit Nintendo era. And that sound winds up permeating the entire song. And I think that that classic 80 cheese factor is really what does it for you. But that being said, it's that it's this kind of song that separates this album from the debut and it really really shows how the songwriting has gone in this separate but intentional direction which i i think is great not as heavy as 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 the prior track i think unlimited sin is a is a heavier track but at the same time this song will stay in your head for days so i challenge everyone out there listen to this song of the week on tuesday and if this doesn't get stuck in your head i will be shocked this song has been stuck in my head for uh, <laughs> three years. Uh, no, I'm sorry, four years. 
Uh, four and a half years, actually, if we're being <laughs> completely honest. Um, I just remember during my early uh, listens of this album, kind of trying to decide like which songs were really sticking out to me. And the more I listened to it, the more I would hit this this uh, this song and just be like, "Shit!" Like this, this is just the one. Like it just, it just the way that it builds. It just, it just. It grabs you and it just never lets go. It, it's just uh, such a killer tune. I, I I love it and and um, I uh, I on a power hour actually uh, laid it over some uh, just like a, a, a kind of like a montage of Marvel uh, stuff because you know True Believer is always the um, the thing that uh, Stan, you know, the late Stan Lee w- would would call his fans as true believers, and you know that the lyric, um, "You're strong as a beast and you fight like a storm." Like I just, I kind of feel like, all right, I think this is kind of a tribute to, to Stan Lee. If you and I'm not even a big comic guy, I just kind of picked up on um, on that those uh, those lyrics kind of seem to be heading in that direction, but. Um, I, I just think it's a great song. It's three and a half minutes long, and then like the only thing I can do is just play it again because it's too short. <laughs> well, we will play it this week as it, as it is your song of the week. Um, but then then we get into the first, maybe the second track, which is just a bit of a miss uh, for me. It's called "This Is War." It's a bit slower, and, and ironically, it kind of is an anthemic call to war in many regards. It's it's not anything you haven't heard from them. It's good. It's fine. Uh, and, and I actually like the instrumental section, which is this like whimsical, airy sound with lots of woodwind instruments. But for some reason, the song as a whole kind of a miss for me, just not as memorable as a lot of the stuff that came before it. Yeah, this is probably the weakest of the um, traditional of the ten, heavy, the 10 heavy yeah. songs. Um, solid. Very good, almost even. Um, but again, like it just, it just like followed up like two real bangers and two of my favorite songs on an album that I absolutely love. So it's kind of in an unenviable position. But um, also, I think that it's it's a like well put um, because I really enjoy the last two tracks before the the bonus track. So I think that it's um, it almost makes for a good kind of like uh, popcorn match placeholder, if you will. Um, because I think Heart of Steel again brings those like really epic, almost trumpet esque keyboard sounds at the beginning, and, and it just feels really, um, just, just like really royal. And then like it, it just has like these these just this eighties keyboard sound in the verses that just it just it's such a throwback. I just think this is such a, another really um, great song, even though it's not. It's not really like super fast the way like Unlimited Sin or or uh, Cry Out for a Hero was, but still, it's just good luck getting it out of your head. It's it's just another super catchy song. What about you? Surprisingly, not a Manowar cover, but more <laughs> of a Kenny Loggins tribute than anything else. And, and to that end, I think it's probably the most underrated song on the album. Nobody talks about Heart of Steel. The song is great. The song is great. The instrumental section is great, and I love the nod to that 80s sound. Um, and, and I got to say, the the last proper song on the album, No Surrender, No Slouch. Um, this is a heavy rocking tune with a good crunch to it, and it really it's kind of a toe-tapper. 
very good verses, great chorus. And the keyboards here give me like a little Richard quality to them. Yes, I mentioned Little Richard on the Metal Exchange. And there's a bit of an Elton John quality to it as well. That's a, This is another gem for me. And I think the album finishes up really strong before we get to two, in many ways, fascinating bonus tracks, at least for me. And I'll, I'll tell you why as we get to them. Yeah, well, I, yeah, the two, the, next, the, the two albums, this and the next album, both have incredibly... I think the third album has even more fascinating choices for <laughs> covers than this one as, and this one's fascinating in and of itself. But uh, yeah, the um, just that like banging piano in this, in this tune that um, it actually sounds like a real piano and not a, a keyboard. I think we kind of made mention of that in the, at the ad infinitum episode as well, that like it, it just was such a, to hear, what sounds like a real piano. I'm sure it's not, but uh, it, it's such a welcome tune and it's played in such a like, yeah, the Elton John comparison is really apt. I feel um, it, it's a, a, a solid, it's, it's probably towards the back end of my favorite songs on this album, but I mean, that's like, you know, that's like saying, you know, Yaramir Yager wasn't as good as Mario Lemieux. Uh, you know, it's like good, good analogy. I like that. Yeah, um, it's like Scotty Pip, Scotty Pippen on the Bulls. <laughs> I I want to I want to just read you my notes on Killed by Death because let me just say this: I didn't realize that this was a cover until this until like after like. I don't know, maybe yesterday or something like that. I, I just didn't realize that. It was a pretty made song originally. Yeah, well, that, listen to this. So, I go, so this is what I write about Killed by Death. Quote, an enigmatic intro. Not sure if it's going to be Volbeat or Dokken or Prince. And then it winds up being somewhere in the middle. Quote, the vocals remind me of Motorhead. And then I write some other stuff. I had no idea this was a Motorhead cover. So you know what? A round of applause for Giannis because he actually pulls off Lemmy here, and I had no idea it was a Motorhead song. I I didn't know either for a while. I've I came to figure it out a couple of years ago, I think, um, because it felt like such an outlier. I mean, I know the next track better than most songs that exist, <laughs> um, but this one. I had never heard before. I just do. I'm not. Uh, I'm not very well read in the in the Motorhead arts. But um, his, his Lemmy impression is unbelievable. Like it's so good. Um, it's clearly not Lemmy, but like it sounds. It sounds like a like as good of a Lemmy impression as as someone's gonna do. Um, it's cool, and it really the the way that they add the keys to this it fits the rest of the album quite well even though it's a cover but um i just remember thinking that it did feel kind of odd when i first heard the album um i i kind of just thought the last track was the one bonus track cover i didn't realize this was one of them too so i'm kind of uh in the same camp as you um but uh yeah very cool cool cover and a, a nice choice for uh for a bonus track and and it ends with another cover, which is arguably one of my absolute all-time favorite covers by any band. And that's no easy way out. And for those that are saying, what the hell is this? It's a Robert Tepper com- uh, cover from a movie that we all know and love. Do you want to spill the beans on this one? 
Sure. Uh, it, uh, people have called it the greatest movie soundtrack of all time. Uh, hard to argue. Rocky IV uh, came out in 1985. Um, only reason I've ever heard of Robert Tepper was because of this soundtrack. Um, the song, the original song is incredible uh, from the get-go. And then you have this power metal cover of it. Um, all I remember is that when the day the day this song, this album came out and I downloaded it and I saw it in my iTunes and I saw that that was the last track. All I was saying to myself was, please be the cover. Please be yeah. the cover. Please be the cover. Cause I was going to be pissed if they actually made a, their own song called no easy way out. And it wasn't the cover. And sure enough, it was the cover. I remember the very first thing I did was find it on YouTube and send it to Mike. Like I was just like, this, this is awesome. Um, it's my favorite of the, the four uh, covers on this album and the next, but it's only because I went into the album already loving the song. And now I'm having like my, one of my new favorite bands do this, this really ass whooping uh, cover of it. Um, So yeah, just a really killer, uh, killer tune, really interesting two choices for covers uh, motorhead and Robert Tepper. Um, The only (laughs) thing I have in common yeah, the only thing they might have in common is their the time they were released. I'd have to look up when Motorhead's uh, "Killed by Death" came out. Um, Nineteen eighty-four. So yes, yeah, so they're only a year apart. So I guess there's a little bit of a connection there, as they're both mid mid eighties songs. Um, but yeah, um, and I, and I, like I always say, like if you're gonna get killed, get killed by death. I, I true words. Have never been spoken. I I am curious for this since this was not your number one album of the year. What do you what do you what are you rating this thing with the with the benefit of hindsight? Uh, this one again, I'm stuck between two scores. I'm stuck between nine point two five and nine point five. So I'm just gonna give it a nine point three seven five, uh, a full point higher than the previous album, um, which is pretty much where I think I would have had it. When it first came out, I might have had it at a 9.5. I think the benefit of time has brought it a little bit back down to earth, but it's still, I think, going to go down as an all-time favorite for me, and uh, I have rated it as such. Would have been a 9.5 for me, I think, again, going into the week. Now it's a 9, but a really, really solid score. I, I think this album is incredible, I don't know that they can produce or come up with an album that's better. So if you're going to pick one album of theirs to listen to, I think this should be the one. But I have to admit, as as I dove back into Dark Connection, the third album uh, from 2021, better than I remembered it. And I liked it when it came out, but it's actually this one, uh, where, where whereas From Hell With Love went down a trifle, Dark Connection, which came out October 29th of 2021, has probably gone up maybe a quarter of a point in my eyes. This album is really solid too. But again, a little more experimental, a little more um, all over the place, almost like the debut, but I still think it's more cohesive than than Berserker. I'm excited to talk about this one. Same. Um, Do you uh, recall where this album landed for... uh for us on our year end list um the year that it came out so yeah i I, I can easily look it up i am just taking a look at the old notes here uh 
This album was uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. This was, I think, thirteen for me or thereabouts. Very, very. Yeah, 13. and it was uh, number three for me that year. Okay, so obviously I, I uh, liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, an album we both held in high regard for sure. So let's let's give it a go. This this album kicks off right where the last album left you know, kind of left us, and that's with a song called Blade Runner, which is this keyboard laden power metal song that reminds me a lot of early Sonata Artica. Not the most uh, complex riff of all time, but just really, really solid. The vocals soar over the top, and it's just a banger to kick this thing off. Not my favorite song on the album, but a good opening track. And it's got those Elton John key, uh, pianos again. Like it, It's almost like it picked up right where that last uh, proper track ended on the last album. But uh, yeah, I, I think that Beast in Black is never going to make an album where the first track isn't just like, blowing your socks off uh right out the right out the gate um it, it appears that um there's um a lot of sci-fi series that are referenced on this album and I, obviously this one is based on blade runner um but uh just a really really high energy you know uh the the kind of track that you have come to expect and love from this band so really uh killer start yeah and, and I, there's no let up with belladonna the second track I, I would argue it's one of my two favorite songs off the album this one's a little bit more anthemic not quite as fast but it could have easily been on the prior album the vocals here some of these high notes are just like impossible to hit i have no idea how Giannis does it and and verses that just grab you and the word I'll keep using is an infectious chorus. And and quite frankly, what keeps what, what makes this song stand out, one of the best guitar solos in their entire catalog. I just love the solo on this song. Really, really good song. I'm happy that it's kind of up front on this album. And it's 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 another track that I think people should hear. Yeah, and it just has that kind of that just great mid tempo kind of uh chug, if you will. And it just it it's this band is just they they are not uh bad at making a catchy ass song um they they've seemed to have figured out how to do that quite well and and this is uh, another one and again just a lot of uh heavy heavy keyboards really i think this something about this album kind of gives me a little bit more of an 80s vibe than even the previous one and i i feel like this uh this song is kind of um an example of that what do you think of um, Highway to Mars? Uh, I, I think we need to get on the highway and, and get going. Um, <laughs> again, this is like um, another one of those like super like just catchy mid-tempo Beast in Black songs. Um, it, it's got a very deliberate tempo, but it, it's just so... Again, so um, catchy. I love the the chorus. It's just so it's so catchy. I, I'm just going to keep using the word catchy because that's what it is. It's uh, I really like this song. I think it's another really good tune. Again, very very keyboard heavy, um, but uh, 
I like this one. Good. good this good this reminds me of like a modern day Voyager sound. This is kind of what Voyager has been doing the last few albums with those lush keyboards or the guitar, or whatever you want to call it, throughout. This is a good song and and a lot better than I remembered it. I don't remember enjoying this song as much as I did this week. Really cool tune, and and I think that it gives way to another upbeat kind of banger of a tune that would be fantastic live and the song is called none other than hardcore um this one is really good except for when they start chanting hardcore i think that that takes me out of it a little bit i'm sorry it's i feel like i'm at an ecw match in 1997 but a, a little repetitive but i i do like the way the song ends as well um a very good tune despite its flaws I, I bladed when I listened to it. Um, yeah, the, the 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 chorus is a little stupid. I don't know. I, I don't love it. Um, it, it of all things, it kind of reminded me of uh, Machine Supremacy. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's happening anymore. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's my least favorite of of the songs thus far. Um, I think the three the first three songs are a little bit. Uh, a little bit better. It's not a bad song, but um, I just think uh, the the first three songs are I... better. But uh, great, great guitar, great guitar work in the solos here. I mean, the, the, all of the songs typically have really good guitar work, and this one is uh, no no stranger to that. I I will say this. I think the big single from the album was, and hardcore was one of the four. But big, the big single was "One Night in Tokyo," which is the next track. I think this is an overrated song. I, it's not bad, but it's a bit dry. It has a little bit of like an early 90s electronica feel to it. It could have easily been in a movie soundtrack, but the chorus loses me a bit, and it's just a little flat and repetitive. I challenge you to listen to this song without keys, and I think you would say it's probably a terrible song, but the keys <laughs> make it listenable. Um, any thoughts on this song, the single? The, the, well, the first time I heard it, the, the first thing I thought of was um... – the uh, the Final Fantasy VIII battle music when you were Laguna, not Squall. And huh. It had that kind of techno. It's still to this day one of my all-time favorite um, video game tracks and definitely one of my favorite Final Fantasy songs. But um, kind of just reminded me of, uh, of that. I like this song quite a bit. It has a really cool music video. The band created a mobile game based on it i think it's literally called one night in tokyo um i really like the song it's um you can tell it was one of the songs that i think they were trying to aim at the general public to try to get more people into it but it it works for me i I like it quite a bit better than the previous song um i I just think it's really cool and and i just really like the the kind of techno-y electric electronic elements that that um are on display here. All right. I, I, I think we disagree on those two, but that's that's all right. I, I general flavor I, I tend to agree with you. Um and that brings us to the sixth track, which is called Midnight Rendezvous. And this is one of the two epics on the album at, at over five minutes. Um this this to me is a perfect example of like melodic modern rock at its finest. Almost something that you could hear on the Frontiers label at this point. Uh, just a monster chorus. Nothing new here, but just well done. Um, you, all you want to do is sing along to that chorus. And I like the lower key change that just kind of precedes the instrumental section. And a very good extended guitar solo. Um, 
a good track in my opinion. And, and, and for someone that didn't like the previous track as much, this is back on track. Yeah, this was a um, another one of the singles. This, uh, along with One Night in Tokyo and Hardcore, were the three singles. This was the one that I believe was uh, that came out. I believe this was the first single that came out prior to the album's release. And then uh, I believe One Night in Tokyo was the second single, which I also believe was um, prior to the uh the full album i'm just going to verify that information right now um yeah moonlight rendezvous dropped on september 3rd 2021 one night in tokyo came out on october 3rd 2021 and the album came out on the 29th of the same month so those two songs were kind of the the two preview singles um i like this one a bit more than one night in tokyo i think it just has more of a I don't know more of a, I don't know how you define a classic beast in black song. Cause the band has been in existence for <laughs> less than some of pairs of socks that I own, but um, it, it's uh, it's just a really good tune. I think it sounds a little bit different than anything they had done before. And I think that was a kind of a cool way is to say like, Hey, this uh, third album is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be a, another um, real, like, top to bottom like banger fest like the uh the previous album was there's going to be a little bit more variation um and i think it's it, again i think it's welcome and, and this song is one of those um one of those uh examples of that yeah i i agree um i think it's it's definitely heading back in the right direction and then we get to um another track which is I think underrated in many respects. It's called Revengeance Machine. It's got this very comedic, futuristic intro. I'll just leave it at that for those that haven't heard it. And this is a real banger as well that probably is the other track that could have or should have been on the Streets of Rage soundtrack. Uh, the drumming here really moves this thing along, and the vocals are obviously fantastic. Um, a little more power metal on this song than, than most of the other songs on the album, and I have a feeling you like this one. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I don't know if I like it quite as much as the previous two singles, but um, it, this one has, I think, more more of that fast-paced energy that uh, the band really brings. Um, I love the, I love the, I like the rest of the song more than the chorus. I think uh, the song on a whole is better than the chorus itself. But um, another another solid tune, and um, again, I really like the electronic kind of uh keyboard vibe that they, they're bringing forth here yeah I, I i i can totally appreciate that um i think that there's better songs on the album but we will get to those shortly the the next track is called dark new world this one is not as bright and as cheery as some of the other songs i think it's a little darker which for them is kind of a nice transition in many ways it's one of those songs you kind of just bang your head to or move to the verses um I, I think it's some of the best on the album i don't love the chorus on this i think it's a little vanilla it's a little plain um but again another great solo and i think that they're really showing off their chops as musicians on this album probably more so than on the prior album uh yeah really well said i, I agree with you i'm not a big fan of the chorus either i feel like some of the choruses on this album are a little bit 
weaker and it kind of brings down the, the overall experience, uh, not to, not to a point of, of badness, but just, uh, it, it just, I think leaves it a shade under the previous album. Um, but, uh, I agree. I like that. It's a little bit darker. I think that I'd be interested to see the band kind of explore more of that in the future. Um, because there is kind of a, a cheeriness to a lot of their songs. And so hearing them get, get a little dark would be, um, would be interesting. But, um, did, did the intro to the, to the last drop of blood remind you? Oh, absolutely. It has a modern Stradivarius vibe to me. Okay. I thought of uh Megadeth, uh, that interesting, that, that guitar, uh, intro, um, the riff that kicks it off. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was probably something from um, Euthanasia or that kind of uh, era or whatever. But just that tone of the guitar reminded me a lot of, of Megadeth. Just, just I, the first couple of seconds. And so I had a very different feel, I guess, overall. But maybe I'm just kind of thinking of the whole tune as, 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 a, as a you know one big tune. This one is a little bit of a miss for me. I, I think that the song itself is just, I don't know, something doesn't click. The lyrics are exceptionally cheesy and the chorus just doesn't resonate well placed at the back end of the album, kind of buried in, in many respects. It's just not my favorite song on the album. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think the chorus is a, be- a bit better than the previous couple of songs. Um, I, I think this, yeah, kind of overall, I, I like this song a little bit more than, than the last, uh, the last two. I was interesting. Say. I, yeah, will respectfully disagree The the next track is broken survivors. And I have to say this thing is one of me. Again, if, if it's not my favorite next to Belladonna, it's probably my second favorite song on the album. Giannis is doing, Giannis is doing his best Getty Lee impression on this thing, hitting notes that like no man should hit. But at the same time, um, it's a great song and it reminds me of something else that could have easily been on like the Rocky four soundtrack. I think that this song, Broken Survivors, really encapsulates just about everything I love about this band. And I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone mention this track. I'm, I'm curious to know what it is about this song that you don't love. Because I felt like this was going to be one you just ate up. I think you may have misunderstood me. I, I Or maybe I said it wrong. But I I was trying to say that to the last drop of blood, I liked more than the previous two songs oh i'm sorry i thought you meant the last two songs no, on the album Broken survivors is arguably my favorite song on the album actually I, great I, so then we we agree okay so yeah, then um yeah there's no weak points some of the songs previously like the chorus isn't as good or or they keep saying hardcore um in this case this is like it hits all the right notes it's catchy it's actually not like a super fast song. It's actually more of a, a mid tempo song, but it's just, they, they just really have a knack for making mid mid tempo songs catchy as hell. And th- this is one of them. Um, one of my favorite beast and black songs and, and definitely uh, my favorite song on this album. Yeah. I, I well said. And, and I think the album ends with another great tune called my dystopia. Um, in many ways, I think some of the band's best songwriting are exemplified on these last two tunes on the album. There's a maturity and a growth in the songwriting, which is kind of welcome, despite how much I like the last album. Um, very melodic, really good way to go out. And then, of course, you have these two 
bonus tracks behind it. Um, but before we get to those, talk to me about My Dystopia. Do you like it as much as I do? Yeah, it's uh, another one of my favorites on the album. I think that um, it's a weird album for me. Like it, it, it's kind of a whereas like the previous album was kind of like one long epic ass whooping uh, with like this one ballad in the middle and like one so-so track on the second half where and everything else just really hits for for me like this album it has you know like the first three songs really hit for me hardcore not as much then the next two i really like then the next three are kind of eh, and then the next two i i really like uh so it's kind of um at least it begins and ends on uh high notes but uh this is another um it's a little bit more ballady than Broken Survivors. I don't know that I'd straight up call it a power ballad, but um, it is another kind of mid-tempo. Uh, has more of a kind of emotional uh, feel to it. But um, and again, another just Giannis, uh, you know, um, tour de force of, of just unbelievable vocals. Nice. Sometimes you almost forget about it because he's just so good at it. You kind of take it for granted. But like the guy is a uh, is a such a, a vocal beast. Um, so yeah, really great. Um, epic keys towards the back end with the, the solos and everything. Really great song. I thought this was a, a really good choice to end the, the uh, non beast in black written portion of the album. I completely agree with you. Um, and then we get to two of the most diverse covers that literally have nothing to do with one another. The first, the only which, thing they do have in common is that they're two of the most controversial artists that I, I've ever had discussions about. Or you maybe con- a- uh, I don't know if controversial maybe would be the right word for Manowar, uh, but uh, what's the uh, uh, the the word I'm looking for? Like where, a lightning um, rod of of opinions. Yeah, surrounding or just these. when that people are on uh, two very opposite sides diametrically um, opposed yeah something like that i, I just i'll just um, keep saying words until i get it right so um that being said the first cover battle him by man of war and i always thought this was a bit of an odd choice i do think it's a cool take on the original not my favorite man of war song certainly not my favorite beast in black cover i actually prefer the next track um but Please, the floor is yours. Talk to me about Battle Him. I love this. Uh, it's Really? Okay. It, it's one of the few songs I really like from the, the debut Manowar album, Battle Hymns. Um, I think it's easily the best song on that album. And um, this the problem with it is that that album is so friggin' old that like everything sounds really tinny and poorly produced. I think it came out in 1982, which was the year I came out. Um, (laughs) this is like just a modernized version of a really good song and i think that like actually hearing it done i'd love to hear beast in black do like all the the like pre-kings of metal manowar songs i I think that they would um do them real do them real justice but uh i thought this was really a, a really well done uh song and it's uh Arguably the longest Beast in Black song of all time at, at just under seven minutes. But um, I always really like this song, and I think that this cover just does gives it a really cool modern spin to it. Especially the um, the part in the middle where it's just like the just Giannis uh, doing the the 
um, the Eric Adams, you know, high high notes or whatever before the the guitars and everything kick back in. So, um, super cool, super cool cover, and, and uh, yeah, why why not follow a Manowar song with a Michael Jackson song? I am an absolute sucker for a good Michael Jackson cover, and I would point everyone to go listen to Rain Time, the Italian melodic uh, death metal band for a fantastic, fantastic Michael Jackson um, cover. But I, I digress. This is another one that's in that same vein. They don't care about us. And it's not even like his most famous track, but this is a really awesome cover in my opinion and it's a modern take on what's otherwise just like a pop classic with this odd pink floyd quality to it which really just makes everything even spacier than it otherwise is i like this song i think it's a really cool way to end the album and i i love when there's covers for bonus tracks of of artists that you just wouldn't expect to associate with the underlying band and i think that that is absolutely what beast in black and michael jackson have done here yeah, I, I almost feel like this was an excuse to show that Giannis could sing like as well as Michael did with those like that natural just high vocals. Um but the beginning of the song he almost has like this rat like this raspiness um that that's really you know, he's really almost hear, rapping in many ways. Yeah, you don't really hear that him do that kind of um I mean maybe when he's doing motorhead covers, but like it, it's a uh, it's interesting. Um I had forgotten about this song and I I did a little digging on it and it was a pretty controversial song because there were some uh ethnic slurs in it uh, against Jewish people that and a lot of people had um accused Michael Jackson of um being anti-semitic and and there's some stories I I don't I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in the area but I was surprised because um Michael Jackson went back and recorded, re-recorded the song and took out some of the 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 lyrical content that was um, controversial. And and Beast in Black went with the original uh, lyrics, which I thought was uh, interesting. Maybe they didn't even realize it, um, but uh, I just thought that was really interesting. But um, he, Michael Jackson, did catch a lot of flack for. Um, the lyrics and that even if he wasn't trying to be offensive, his whatever message he was trying to get across was kind of a, a miss, I guess, in the way that it was presented. But um, beyond that, uh, it's a, v- a really powerful song. Um, Spike Lee did the, I think directed the, there were two music videos for the song and he directed both of them. And um, Michael Jackson had a lot of um, really, uh, uh, the I'm I'm struggling to find the words, but um, you know, move. I don't know if movement is the right word, but just uh, he was he was very uh, he was he wasn't shy about um, writing songs that were were hard hitting and 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 um, cause oriented. That's what I was trying to to think about. Um, but um, beyond the meaning of the song, I just think that the, the classic Michael parts, those high like oo's or whatever, like oh my god, Giannis just nails it. And I thought this was a really bold choice of a cover, and and they really nailed it. And and I totally get why um, you like it as much as you do. I I like it a lot too. 
I well said. I, I don't have anything else to say other than I look forward to seeing this band live. Keyboards be damned. I still think it's going to be a great show. But we would be remiss not to rate Dark Connection, their most recent release. For me, it's an 8.0. I think it's markedly better than the debut, but I think it's not nearly as good as um, their second album. But at the same time, I am so eager to hear their next release whenever that is due out. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what direction they go in. What does this album kind of rate for you? I have it at a 8.5. I think it's... um... I think it's a bit ahead of the first album, but it's a bit lower than the, the second one. Um, it's still very good. It's just following up a, a real heavy hitter album. Um, but uh, I think they're trending in the right direction. I'm looking forward to the, the next album. And, um, you know, this was uh, a really great discussion. I'm a so I'm so excited to see this band live and and I didn't think I could be more excited, but now that I'm reminded of how many songs from the first album that I love and forgot about, I'm even that much more uh excited. So um great stuff and uh yeah, it seems like we were kind of um kind of in the same place, just I was a little bit higher than you on the three albums, but uh we kind of agreed on where they rank uh you know, against one another. So, uh, yeah, a uh, fun discussion, but, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, only having to talk about one album next week. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of work and we'll get to that one album in a second. I just want to mention two other news items before we get to next week. Um, I thought this was really interesting. Anyone who's listened to Volbeat knows that Michael Paulson is not only their guitar player, but their singer. He has started a death metal side project, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. The band is called um, As In Hell, and that's one word, As In Hell. They were signed to Metal Blade Records and are coming out with an album on September 29th. He does not sing. He just writes the music and plays the guitars, and he had somebody come in and actually sing death metal vocals. But it's interesting because Volbeat is all over, like, XM radio with with their songs and they've obviously opened for Metallica a number of times and they're really very, very popular. But uh, as a creative outlet, the singer has decided to go in this different direction. I'll try to post a song this week. It's really, really interesting stuff. So uh, something to keep an eye on. And uh, another favorite of the metal exchange, Angra has signed with Atomic Fire Records and has announced their new album, Cycles of Pain, due out November 3rd. Needless to say, I'll be listening to that the day it comes out. I'm always a sucker for new anger material. And I, I think they actually mentioned that they're going to play this album in its entirety on 70,000 tons of metal and even film a music video for a future DVD release of this album on the high seas. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, also, the album cover is really, really, uh, just really nice looking. Um, really well done. So. Uh, something to look forward to. I, I enjoyed their last album uh, quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, finally, uh, The Halo Effect will be completing their mix of their second album in the coming days. It sounds like they are nearly done with their um, with their next album, but that is not what we are going to be talking about next week. What we will be talking about next week is their debut album, Days of the Lost, which came out just a couple of years ago. They are playing Fog Power this year. They are playing 70,000 tons of metal next year. 
So I figured, what better way to go forward with our journey than to talk about a little in flames, a little halo effect, and all things related um, to this Swedish melodic death metal band. Yeah, uh, I think I'd mentioned last week, I listened to the album a couple times last year. It was one of the, I feel like one of the most talked about albums that came out last year. Um, Definitely one of the most talked about debut albums. Um, I remember liking it, uh, but didn't listen to it enough to really sink my teeth into it. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of having a a second chance with this. And um, I presume a good portion of this will be part of their set list. So... um, I, uh, if it's a hit for me, then, um, then they'll, they'll, I'll be in the crowd watching them, uh, come day two of, of Prague power. But, uh, yeah, again, like I said before, looking forward to, to only listening or only talking about one album. Cause we are coming up on close to two hours on this, uh, this, uh, marathon episode. So. I will leave you with this thought. Number one, I think you're going to enjoy the album even more than you remembered it. I actually did, at least upon my first listen. And number two, uh, if you like what you hear, give us a like and a follow. We would appreciate it. It helps others find the show. And we will come back to you next week with a much shorter episode as we cover the debut album from the Halo Effect. So, Chris, enjoy the week, my friend. Uh, thanks for taking this journey down, uh, journey down memory lane with... Um, all these recent Beast in Black albums, and I will catch you next week when we talk about some Swedish melodic death metal. I look forward to it. I think I may actually not listen to Beast in Black again until Prague Power and just kind of re uh, recharge up my excitement. But uh, I'm, I feel like I may have caught close to the border of killing killing uh, Beast in Black from you know by death. Uh, this, yeah. this, this week, so um, I might have to take a little bit of a reprieve and start getting into some of the weirder stuff like Halo Effect and, and Bola. So I like uh, it. Yeah, uh, away we go. Enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon. All right, take care, buddy. <laughs>